Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. How is everyone doing today? Can we believe it's September 1st? It seems like just yesterday it was March and everything was getting shut down. Man, time is flipping flying. Football is right around the corner. We have a college game coming up on Thursday. NFL is a week later. And I am slowly but surely working on my draft guide, which I hope will drop on Thursday. I put it out on Instagram. You guys voted and you guys want the draft guide. I'll give you guys a draft guide. Give a little insight into the mind. But first of all, I just want to dive in. The normal schedule for these has been Monday and Saturday. But unfortunately, you know, I had some stuff happen yesterday. And life and my family is always going to take precedent over something else. My parents are a little bit older. You know, I love my parents to death. They're a big focal point of me, and they made me me. They've been great. And I think they were targeted because some guy came in up to the door, and they wanted to come in and have my dad show him how to hook a computer up. Why the hell are you knocking on a 70-year-old's house to have him set up a computer for you? So obviously they're targeting you. So obviously that's what they were doing. And I don't know, that really upset me. You know, I had to call the cops and I called the security system. They're going to get a security system installed. But that just really upset me that someone would do that. So I I obviously wasn't in the right frame of mind. And then over the weekend, because I do take time to prepare for this, we're going to have Shy from All Eyes on Sports on. She was going to come on and her and I were going to talk about the 76ers, Pacers, Blazers, and Mavericks offseason. So... I was preparing for that, and then she messaged me, and she says that she has COVID-19. So now, I'm like, oh my God, I feel awful because she has COVID-19, and I'm wishing her nothing but the best, and a speedy recovery. I hope she's okay. You know, she's a great person. She's the first guest I ever had on the show. She truly is a genuine person. I wish her nothing but the best. So I was preparing a new show for you guys yesterday. Then that happened with my parents and I just wasn't in the right frame of mind and just didn't want to come out here and, you know, kind of half-ass a show for you guys just because I think you guys deserve better than that if you're tuning in for that. So that's why the podcast is coming to you today. Um, You know, Shy and I are going to talk about some NBA off seasons and everything about what can be done and everything what directions teams should be going so as soon as she gets healthy you know she'll she'll come on and you know we'll talk that in terms of the nba playoffs i'm going to be on the that's what g said podcast talking western conference basketball preview and thoughts on bucks heat and raptors celtics him and i are going to record tomorrow night after the game seven between the thunder and the rocket so i will share my thoughts give my previews of with the Western Conference and everything and what I see going on in the Bucks and Heats and everything. I'm not going to lie. I'm really excited about this Game 7 tonight. Murray and Mitchell going at it. But it got me thinking, who's under more pressure? Murray or Mitchell? Which guy is under more pressure to perform tonight? And obviously, after what happened last year in Game 7 against the Portland Trailblazers on his home court, you got to kind of think Jamal Murray's under more pressure. I mean, if the Jazz lose, Donovan Mitchell, he has to say, oh, Bogdanovich isn't playing. 
I when people looked at this series when it first started, no one had it going seven. No one had the Jazz doing as well as they are. So Mitchell's always going to have that out. If Murray loses, it's going to be, oh, playoff game seven blues. Ooh, Jamal Murray in playoffs. So I really feel Murray's under a lot more pressure than Mitchell is. And I think it's going to be a popcorn series. I can't wait. Game tips off in three and a half hours. I think it's going to be great. Uh, right now, the side is Denver minus the one. You know, we did hit Denver plus two and a half the other day. Am I invested in that? No. I already posted my Instagram story and on my Twitter page that we are taking the first half under and the game under. So we're going to be invested in those. And you know what? I've been doing really well in the live betting. If I see a live line I like, maybe I'll get invested in one of those. But right now, pre-flop, we're just going to be playing the totals on that. In terms of the Thunder Rockets, I'm going to be invested in the same thing. I'm going to do the under first half, under game. Right now, the line's at Thunder plus the five. Um, I really don't want to touch that. Like, that game yesterday was really interesting to me just because what was that? Why was it Harden having the ball in his hands? All these people on the Rockets come out and say Harden is the best scorer in the NBA. Well, you're down by two and Russell Westbrook has the ball and Russell Westbrook has been playing a good game and Russell Westbrook has been having some awful turnovers that game. Why did Russell Westbrook have the ball and not James Harden? I have no idea. And something that's probably going to be lost in the mix pre-flop is how is Harden going to be perceived now if the Rockets lose this game? Because before you can say, oh, he lost to the Warriors. Oh, Chris Paul was hurt in that game seven. Now you're playing an OKC team led by a 35-year-old Chris Paul, Shade Gilgris Alexander, who's in his second year, Steve Adams, the Italian heartthrob, Denaro Gallinari, and Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder, I mean, what did the Hawks trade him for? Pennies on the dollar? So... If the Rockets do lose tomorrow, this is, game is going to be a huge blow. A huge blow on Harden's legacy. So I'm really interested to see how he responds to that. Because if you look on paper, obviously the Rockets have a better team, more talent. But Billy Donovan's a hell of a coach. Chris Paul's a hell of a leader. Delboat's playing great defense. And if the Rockets don't win it this year, I... That's going to probably implode. D'Antoni's going to be gone. He's rumored to go to the Pacers, which I really don't think would be the best. I think he should go to the Sixers, which I already posted about what Philly should do, and I'll get on in a little bit more on that later. But I just feel that if the the Rockets are on the verge of just blowing it all up, as crazy as it sounds. And, I mean, that's just, you know, one of the things in sports. If you can't win it, you can't win it. People need to realize it's just going to get tougher in the Western Conference because you have the Warriors getting getting Curry and Thompson back, and they have that first-round draft pick, and who knows what they're going to flip that first-round draft pick. Are they going to bring in Wiseman, which I think would be a great fit, or are they going to flip it for someone else? You have the Blazers. I really think the Blazers are going to break up CJ and Dame and obviously keep game and trade CJ for somebody. So get a new twosome there. The Suns are coming up. 
The T-Wolves are coming up. Grizzlies are coming up. Mavericks are coming up. Spurs are going to turn it around. I mean, the Western Conference is just loaded. I didn't even talk about the Pelicans. So, I mean, the Western Conference is just absolutely loaded. So, if I'm the Rockets, I would kind of stay put and try to run it back one more time. If you can't get back one more time, then I would I would blow it up. But, I mean, it's going to be an interesting offseason in Houston if they don't get this done. Now, I've had people ask me about future betting. So, I'm going to dive into future betting right now. So, when people say, what do you do with a future? How do you come up with these futures? Because I'm, I'm doing pretty good in futures. The first thing is I look at prices. I won't play a future that's lower than plus 16. So anything under 16 to 1 is immediately, just immediately out. Um, immediate out. And then I look at the turnover of the team, what they brought in, what did they lose, coaches, free agents, all that jazz. And But then I also look at what I saw last year. What did I see last year? And can I see the improvement? Can I see them taking the next step as a team? So I look at all that, and I start piecing stuff together. So last year, the big future was the Bucks one hundred to one to win it all, and the Bucks twenty to one to win the um, win the win the East. So. I'd want that through them. So now I'll use the same thing. NFL is coming up. I'll use my same thought process with the Lions. Okay. So last year, the the first year in the Bevel offense, Stafford was putting up insane numbers, just crazy numbers, MVP type numbers. The offense was clicking at all nine cylinders. It was the defense that was hurting them. And then Stafford got hurt and the Lions season went downhill, just totally went downhill. So, historically, Stafford has done better in the second year of the offense. So, what does that mean? That means that numbers-wise and understanding the offensive concepts, Stafford's going to do better this year. Now, let's look at the offensive line. The offensive line, which you guys will see in my draft guide, which hopefully will come out Thursday or Friday, I rank offensive line, and that's a big thing I look at. They brought in Jonah Jackson in the NFL draft, who I think is a very underrated guard, who I think they should sign right away. They got Vikai from the Eagles, who is a great tackle who can come in right away. And then they re-signed Decker, who I think they just got him on the cheap with, with the re-sign, which I think was great. So that tells me the offensive line is improved. So they're going to tell give Stafford more time to go through the field, to go through the field, survey the field. Then Patricia is handing the defensive play calling over to the D.C. they brought in. And also they brought in new players. There's a total flip in the the Lions' defense. So I believe that the defense is going to take a huge step forward. They're going to be blitzing more, way more aggressive. So I factor all that stuff in, and then I kind of look at the teams in the NFC North. And it's crazy to say this. I mentioned this when Sterling was on, 
and him and I were going through the NFC North, the Lions are the team with the least amount of dysfunction. I mean, just think about that for a second. The Detroit Lions have the least amount of dysfunction right now in the NFL North, in the NFC North, excuse me. So I'm factoring that in and I'm like, hmm, they're 80 to one right now to win the Super Bowl. Hmm, you know, why not? They're 80 to one right now to win the Super Bowl. So if I put half of you, 0.5, I'm going to get 40 U ROI on it. Half of you to 40 U. That's such a low risk, high reward play that you have to take it. And what people don't understand when you bet a future, when I bet a future, I'm locking it in and I'm going to find a way to make profit in that future because you can easily hedge out of it. That's what a pro in gambling does. That's what I do. What Joes do is they bet somebody to win it, to win the NFL, whatever, NBA, what, whatever sport it is, because that's what they think they are. They don't understand that you have to find the value then find the way to hedge out. Case in point. Like I said, last year we had, or I had, me and my guys had when I was giving out plays back then before COVID, we had the Bucks 100 to 1 to win it all and 20 to 1 to win the East. When the Bucks got up 2-0 against the Raps, I looked, and I think the Raptors like 25 to 1 to win the uh, comeback and win it. At that number, that was such an easy hedge out where, yes, I'll be cutting into my IOI on my initial bet, but both of those I only had half a U, so if I only put another half a U on the 25 to 1, I'll be getting thir- I'll be getting 20 I'll be in 12 and a half you back minus the minus the one you investment on the other two futures. So that's 11 you ROI right there. I mean, 11 you ROI when I'm risking 0.5. And if they would have made it to the finals, you know, I would have got the 10 you back and the half you for 20 to one. So, I mean, it's just understanding the numbers and how everything works and your spot to hedge out. And that's the main thing when it comes to to betting futures is you have to understand that there's always going to be a way out, a way to find the profit. And that's the that's why you take futures. You take futures to find a way to hedge out and make a profit. And when you take a future, it should be a low risk, high reward thing. Another, I mean, right now I got the Padres at 55 to 1. I got the Padres at 55 to 1 somehow to win MLB after all the moves they did. Now, that's going to be an easy way to hedge out in the playoffs. I, I got the raise 30 to one. I got all these teams where it's going to be easy for me to hedge out to make a profit. And that's what I want. When I look at a future, that's what I want. I want a way where I can hedge out. Those of you that take, oh my God, oh, what's a short price? The Ravens. The Ravens are what? Three, three plus 350. I mean, yeah, you can hedge out of that, but are you really going to make any money off of that? No, that's a nickel and dime play. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a nickel and dime guy. You guys find, you guys follow me. You guys know I like to play the dogs. I'm looking for ROI on the play, return on investment, and that's what you have to understand when it comes to sports betting. When I had the lock god on earlier, we talked. Him and I were talking about how sports betting is a lot like the stock market of when to buy and when to sell, and that's what a future is: when to buy, when to sell. 
So if you guys have any futures, any questions on future betting, you know, just kind of slide in the DMs, let me know. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about Mr. Joel Embiid, a.k.a. Trust the Process. So during the Heat game last night, Embiid tweeted out if and was giving Jimmy Butler love. Obviously saying, what if the 76ers kept Butler? Well, that's just an example why I don't like Joel Embiid. Why I am not a Joel Embiid guy. What if you... I mean, like, people that are leaders, people that lead a franchise to a championship aren't pointing fingers in front of people. Maybe behind closed doors, that's it. But not at, through the media or on social media or whatever. He needs to take a serious look in the mirror before he's calling people out. Joel Embiid showed up out of shape in the bubble. And the thing is, is the normal substitute pattern in the NBA, and this happened in the regular season, okay? NBA player, a starter, a star, whatever, they'll come out about the five, six-minute mark, and then they'll re-enter and then finish off the second quarter. So they sit out one time, plus they get the, the rest between the first and the second quarter. Joel Embiid would come out twice. So he was already out of shape, and then he shows up more out of shape in the bubble. And when an NBA player is out of shape and can't give it his all on both ends, certain stuff lacks. So Embiid wasn't giving it his all on the defensive end. On the offensive end, yeah, that's fine. But a nor- he was playing, but... A normal star, he's in shape and he's playing both ways. Because Embiid's not in shape, that's why the Sixers struggled in the bubble, along with some other things. And, like, Shy and I will get into that later when she's well and we can do our, our talk about that. I mean, look at Joker from the Nuggets. He's in an insane shape right now. And he's playing good. But Embiid, after games one, two, and three... He's firing Brett Brown under the bus, saying, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? A player like that, maybe a a championship player, like a Jordan, LeBron, they are doing that, but they're doing it behind closed doors. They're not airing shit out in the media, like Embiid was. Now, is any player that airs shit out going to win a championship, going to lead you to a championship in the NBA? The answer is no. Plain and simple, no. Embiid isn't a guy that can be a centerpiece of a championships. Now, people are saying, oh, why don't you put shooters around him? Well, here's the thing. Embiid wanders way far out on the three-point line, and he's like pump faking, shooting threes. Dude, you're seven foot, 285, 95 pounds. Get your ass underneath the rim. He's trying to take people off the dribble, doing these little pump fakes, you know, shooting threes. Dude, Embiid, get your ass down the middle. I mean, that's the one thing that it just doesn't, it it shows me he's just trying to think of himself, and he's not a type of guy that's going to elevate players to that other level, the role players to the other level, so the team can be great, so the team can reach his goals. And B's not that guy. And I'll never forget the little dude from the Action Network. God, what's that guy's name? He tweeted out 
after Embiid and Towns got into it. And I replied, I, I forget what he tweeted, but it was something about Embiid and championship or Embiid and winner. And I retweeted, I guess we have a different definition of the winner. Embiid's never leaving, never leading the 76ers to a championship and the dude blacked me. I was kind of funny just because it just shows how sensitive the, those guys at the Action Network are. But um, anyway, I would trade Embiid right now. This is where, for some reason, people say he's a top 10 player. In my eyes, he's not even anywhere near the top 10 in the NBA. Trade him, get a shooter, give Simmons the ball, let Simmons drive and dish. That's why I think Mike D'Antoni would be a perfect fit there. Simmons can play the Harden role, can be the distributor. distributor. And the thing is, why the Suns were so good under D'Antoni is because Steve Nash got everyone involved. Right now, why they're blowing these big big leads, the Rockets are, is because it's such one-on-one play. There's no distributing. And if you put Simmons there, like hypothetically, let's say D'Antoni goes there and they're running the Sim- Simmons offense in Philly, Simmons is going to be that distributor of a guy of the of the ball, and when Simmons is being that distributor of the ball, it's going to be easy for the team to flow and not blow those leads. And then we all agree that Simmons needs to shoot a jump shot. I mean, what better guy to get him to shoot a J than Mike D'Antoni? I mean, there's not going to be a better guy to shoot get him to shoot a J than Mike D'Antoni. So I, that's why I think it's just a total match made in heaven. Why it makes total sense to total sense. So, but that's it for the podcast. You know, talked a little NBA, talked a little Sixers, future betting, little NBA talk. You know, nothing too big. Um, I'm like I said, I'll be on the That's What G Said podcast. We're going to be recording it tomorrow after the game seven. We. And then I'll be back fr- back on Saturday. We'll be talking. Saturday's a huge day. We got the Kentucky Derby. God, can you guys believe the Kentucky Derby is Saturday? I was thinking about this. I was supposed to be in Las Vegas this weekend. And then I started thinking about this COVID stuff and all the food, all the food, all the sports I've missed. I was supposed to go to the original Kentucky Derby. Missed. I was supposed to go to Del Mar. Missed. I was supposed to go to Saratoga. Missed. I was supposed to. I have Bucks season tickets. Going to be up there for the playoffs. Missed. Brewers games missed. Arlington's not. Arlington's probably DOA after this year. Arlington missed. Um, I'm supposed to be at the U.S. Open too. Like last year, I took my mom to the U.S. Open for her birthday, and we're going to go this year. Missed. So the summer of Eric sports wise completely ruined by COVID, and it was going to end up with college football in Vegas. I usually am not one to go to Las Vegas for sports just because, like, I don't know. I'm, like, really weird. Like, when I watch sports, I have a sound off so that way I can see the game and see what's happening and I have the announcers kind of push my opinion one way with their narrative because I want to see what's happening and use my own eyes. And in Vegas, that's, like, so hard to do because all these guys run and telling you stuff you don't want to hear about. It's just kind of crazy, but... I don't know. Like, I was going to go to Vegas for college football. You know, I thought it would be fun. But to each their own. Hopefully I get out there soon. Vegas is always a good time. Um, you know, we have a loaded slate today. Plays have already been posted. ROI for the NBA restart playoffs is an insane 
65.19U, NHL 65.203U, and MLB is an ROI of plus 12.13U. As of right now, the, the plan is all plays will be free up until the beginning of the NFL season. NFL season, we are going to start charging for plays. I think I'm going to limit it to 25. I think I already have 25 people locked in, but I'm going back and forth. I still haven't decided what I'm going to do, so hopefully I do that. Um, all the plays there, I'll definitely have a play for the college football game, guys. I will definitely have a play for that. It will be the traditional Anyone that knows me knows what I'm going to do because that's what I like to do on these primetime games. Um, you guys, if there's anything you want me to talk about betting-wise, try to get a little insight into me. You know, my way of thinking, DM me. My DMs are always open. Um, that's it for the show today. Be safe, be well, and I will talk to you guys later.